big ones and we got little ones, okay? Little business card size. So you grab some children and adults and you know what? Just try to get in the habit of giving them out instead of inviting people. You just never know the life that maybe has changed because we're bold enough to tell them you're a Christian and invite them to church, amen? Well, go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Christ. 
You know, sometimes, sometime in our journey, in our Christian life, we can really forget to count our blessings, to, um, to realize the blessings that we have in our life that are found in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we don't see none of the things that are around the world, or, um, or we see the news, and it just kind of brings us to despair, and we just need to really remember who we are in Christ, and what inheritance we have because we are found in Christ. I read the story of a rich man who was in the habit of giving his wife very expensive jewelry um, every year on her birthday. And on one year, he would phone the jeweler and say, send your finest pearl necklace along with your bill. Another year, it would be, send me your finest diamond pin. Another time, would be your finest emerald bracelet or a ruby ring, and it just send me the bill, um, whatever the bill is, and then he would do that. Each time the drawer did, just as the rich man did ask, dispatching a messenger to the rich man's mansion to deliver the jewelry piece um, in a box along with the bill. But every year, the rich man would play kind of this game with him. He would, he would get you the jewelry, he would see it, look at it, and then he would um, send him a note back with another check for a reduced amount by several thousand dollars. And he would say, you know, I really like this piece. I think you picked an excellent piece. My wife would really like this. I just don't really quite like the price. It's a little bit too high. And so here's... Uh, Here's the um, box back, um, and here, here, here's my check. If, if you're willing to take this amount, um, go ahead and send the box um, still sealed um, back. And um, if it's not enough, um, then you go ahead and just, just keep it um, and don't, don't cash the check. And so this would go on year after year. You know what the jeweler was like? I'm still making a profit. Not as much profit as I would like, but hey, this is a continual um, customer that comes every year. And so he's like, you know what, I'll go ahead and take less of a profit so um, I can still have this business that um, keeps on going. And so but then this one time there was just this really special diamond, expensive diamond, very expensive. And again, several thousand dollars less. And then finally, the business owner was tired of it. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of being ripped off, not, not getting all the profit that I would get from anybody else. And so instead, he was like, enough is enough. And he refused to check, kept the boss, and sent the messenger away in disgust. And when he opened the box to reclaim the necklace, he found that the necklace had been removed, the diamond necklace been removed. And in its place was a check for the entire amount. And that's been happening the whole time. But he never knew it. Because the check was inside the box and sealed. And so he could have been having the full amount this entire time. And you know, the rich man, he knew, you know what, eventually, you know what, maybe I'd go too low, but I'd still want it. And maybe that's how he got rich. Just kept on bargaining like that. But you know what? Then he finally saw that there was the entire amount. And he was accepting less 
Then he had to, because he had not opened a box and looked inside. So I'm going to give you a couple of things. And so, hidden, there are hidden riches in Christ that are available to you and I. But many times we simply need to get in the Word of God and then see what those blessings are. That we miss them if we never open the book. We miss it if we never spend time in prayer. You know, as, as one said, you know, the great tragedy today is not unanswered prayer, but it's unoffered prayer. That how many blessings we miss because we don't pray. Bible says that we receive not because we ask not. And so many times we just don't open the communication in our prayer. Many times just we don't open the word of God and see what the blessings are. The Bible talks about many different spiritual blessings in this passage. Um, Paul speaks passionately, extensively about these riches. And for good reason. You know, you look at his travels. He traveled throughout the Roman Empire. That he had seen the spiritual, the material poverty of the Roman world. Thank you. Um, he had spoken to rulers. He had spoken to soldiers. Business leaders, um, merchants, laborers, farmers, and, and, and slaves. He saw that all of them, regardless of their material wealth or status, they suffered from the same spiritual, um, being spiritually deprived. Many of them were depressed. I mean, Christians, and I mean, were discouraged, beset with fears, anxieties, jealousies, or hostilities. Toward one another. And then, of course, the lost um, would be filled un under the grip of superstition and filled with dread for the future, not knowing what would happen. They had no hope of life beyond the grave. And so, Paul's great, great joy was traveling to spread the gospel to people, to tell people of the unfold riches that were available to them. In Jesus Christ, that in Jesus they could be liberated, that they could be transformed, and I'm bringing to them a new experience of joy, of love, and faith, and in glory in the vast riches of God in Christ Jesus. You know, oftentimes when children get excited, maybe not all children, but some children, they start to talk real fast at a constant rate. You know, they're excited about something, or um, they just go over and over and over. We have one child that they are not like a broken record. They're going to keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over until you acknowledge them. Now you say, yes, son, yes, daughter, whatever it be, I can't say who it is. And then, you know, my wife says, says something along the lines of I have to give her $100, same time I use her. It's, it's an illustration in the message and stuff. And then John threatened, wow, you did like four times on last Wednesday night. But that wasn't during the message, it was after church, brother. So we're good. <laughs> but um, look at Paul's writings here. There's really only three sentences here in this passage that we um, read um, in it. And then we see. Yeah, in chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Be therefore followers of God as their children. 
So maybe that's why he ends up, you know, looks like he's just going one after another about among the blessings that are found in Christ. You know, you see that he did not just describe one truth or a blessing without mentioning the next. You know, we see that he talks about how we're chosen, how we're predestined, um, how there's redemption, how there's forgiveness of sins, richness of his grace, um, um, abounded in us toward all wisdom and prudence, that there's an inheritance of the saints, that there's security of the believer, that he just goes on and on about the blessings that are in Jesus Christ. And so one of the first ones he mentions is that we are chosen. You know, Ephesians was written to saints. You know, he's written to the church at Ephesus. And every saint, saint Christian was chosen before the foundation of the world to be defined by certain characteristics. Now, a Calvinistic approach, we're not really going to get into that this morning, but they um, would interpret the passage differently to mean that God is choosing who he wants saved and who he does not want saved. But that you really got to add to a lot of scripture and ignore a lot of scripture to get to that conclusion. Um, um, it takes really twisting and reading things and um, sometimes if you just take one verse out of context it may appear that way. That's why it's important to look at the totality of scripture where you know the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Then you have in the end of Revelation, where it says, um, the spirit and the bride say, come, whosoever will may take of the water of life, freely take of the water of life. Um, you have where Peter talks about um, that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That that's God's desire. Um, that the Bible talks about the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. But it's up to man to receive it, to, to believe it. But just because a particular group would maybe have a different interpretation of what these passages mean, doesn't mean we need to be afraid of these words. This is a blessed word that we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now you know what? God had foreordained before the heavens and the earth was even created that for salvation we would have to be found in Christ. That we would be found in Jesus Christ. Um, predestination again. You know what? The Bible talks about we're predestined. Who's predestined? Christians are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It doesn't say, okay, these elect few are predestined to heaven, and these ones are predestined to hell. It's not what it says. But it says those that are in Christ, okay? Now, yes, before the foundation of the world, God determined that salvation would be in Christ, but those that are in Christ would be predestined to be conformed to his image. And so there's nothing really to be frightful of these words, chosen, predestination, elect, foreordained, or foreknowledge. These are wonderful blessings we have in Christ, that every Christian was chosen to be currently and positionally in Christ. 
When you are in Christ, you are currently found to be holy. You know, Peter wrote, you know, be holy even as your father is holy. But you know, initially, we are made holy by being put in Christ. That we are pure, that we are morally blameless, not because of our own works, okay? Because because of our own works, the Bible talks about even our own righteousness or his filthy rags. And the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God, for we all have sinned. But then when we are found in Christ, we have that blood covering of his sacrifice, and then God sees purity. He sees us as holy. Then we'll get the closer to Ephesians, and they were extremely wicked. But then many of them would be made holy after they had faith in Christ. And he also wrote um, to those that were in Rome in Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 and verse 9. Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth upon him shall not be ashamed. And so we're first made holy by being found in Christ. And how is that? It's by believing, by believing with the heart and the confession of the mouth um, of Jesus our Savior. And so he's chosen us to be holy, as, as we see in, in verse 4 um, of Ephesians 1. Again, you go to part there, if you have a ribbon, keep, keep, keep your ribbon there. Also in Romans 8, that'll be another passage we'll be in, you can put if your ribbon in. But it says, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that what? What is it? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we're to be without blame. That we're to not only be holy positionally in Christ, but that we should also live how we are positionally in Christ. And that is to be before him in love. Colossians, which is considered a sister epistle to Ephesians, that if you read Ephesians and Colossians, you'll see some of the commands, some of the instructions um, have parallels. That there's some differences, that he just write with some different things, but there's a lot of things that are the same. Such as, you know, where he talks about husbands loving your wives, talk about um, wives following your husband and children, you know, being to your parents. He writes about much of the same thing in both of them. In Colossians 1, in verse 20, the Bible says, And having made peace for the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have you reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unclaimable and unreprovable in his sight. And you know, before we were alienated from God, we were separated from God before we came to know him, to know his salvation. 
But then now, he desires to present us to God the Father, blameless, unblameable, holy, unreprovable. Um, in verse 28, Paul writes about how he preached warning every man. And why? That he may be able to present them to Christ. In verse Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He's wanting to bring people to Jesus Christ. Because of the peace that is made through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, we are able to be unblameable, unreprovable in his sight through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you see why Paul was excited about these truths that in 12 verses, used three sentences. We were just going on and on about the blessings we have in Christ. And look at culture. You know what culture we'll talk about is a good thing to be intoxicated um, or under the influence of drugs. That it's a fun, it's a good time. Um, they don't, don't talk about the devastation to the homes that often cause or the early deaths it cause. You know, over the past two years, especially during this pandemic, you've seen a lot more people turn to different um, intoxicating um, drugs, and, and there's been a lot more deaths. You know, they had an overdose. A lot more deaths than there has been in the past. You know, as Christians, we're commanded to be sober. But you know, there's a blessing with being sober. Blessing to be sober in our mind, to be able to make rational decisions in our life. Um, the culture accepts ungodly music that seeks to undermine um, morality in God Himself. Christians should not be entertained by that. Culture accepts attendance to wicked venues. Christians should not be a part of that. We've been called to be holy. God's foreordained that we should be holy. Culture accepts attire that identifies one with the values and priorities of this world. And Christians should not know. You know what, today, see, it's very rapid. You know what, we have so much talk about men becoming women. Dressing like ladies. There's, we've lost a distinction in how we dress in the genders that we have. And that we want to say that one can become another. But the Bible teaches us to be a dress distinct and to have modesty. It would involve both covering and not being overly flashy just to try and drive attention to oneself. But what blessing we have that we've been chosen to be holy, to be set apart, because then the Bible talks about we can have a life filled with joy. Number two, we are predestined. We are predestined. This isn't a doctrine of confusion for unbelievers. It's a doctrine of security for the believer. The word appears four times in Scripture, twice in Ephesians 1, and twice in Romans 8. You know, the Bible tells us we are predestinated us unto the adoption 
of children uh, by Jesus Christ. He was asked the question, what is the adoption of children? Now I'll go ahead and turn to Romans 8, if you're not there already. Romans chapter 8. Um, and it talks about, um, in verse 23, it specifically talks about it's the redemption of our body. This means that one day our bodies will be redeemed. Much like we redeem a coupon by exchanging a worthless piece of paper for a discount of greater value, those who are saved are predestined for their body to be um, redeemed. That the soul is already redeemed when we put our faith in Christ, but the body is not yet, and that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And go ahead and start in verse 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation grown up and travailed in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to win the redemption of our body. Okay, so again, you see, this talking about predestination, it's not talking about God predestinated, predestinating some to heaven and some to hell. It's talking about those that are already saved, they're already in Christ, are predestined to have their body adopted, to have their body to be redeemed. That that was just corrupt, will take on in corruption. Where we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8, verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow. Okay, now, God knows who's going to be saved. He knows who's not. You know, when you got saved, it didn't occur as a surprise to God. It has never occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God. Okay? He's always knew. He's always known. But so those whom he knew, know, he also did predestinate to what? To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn, among many brethren. And so we're predestined unto the adoption of children, okay, where um, the redemption of our body, and then also according to the good pleasure of his will. It gives him pleasure to use us for his will back in um, Ephesians. Um, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ in verse 5, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. That gives his pleasure to use us for his will. And the Bible does say without faith it is impossible to please him. It gives him pleasure that we will one day be like his son. It brings him pleasure that when we are not conformed, it brings him pleasure when we are not conformed to this world. You know, but as the Bible talks about that we are renewed um, 
The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That our minds may redeem, our minds may renew. We've also been predestined to the praise of the glory of His grace. God's predestinated us to that. That one day we will be in the image of the Son of God in all perfection. Yes, we are made in the image of God already, but by sin that's been tainted. We're still in the image of God, but in a tainted version. But being found in Christ, we are predestined where our body will be incorruptible, that we will see Him as He is, and that we will become like Him, be conformed to His image. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. See, our lives are to bring praise to him. That we are chosen speaks of our current condition in Christ. We are predestined, speaks that one day we will be completely like Christ as far as in our, in, in our sin, that we will no longer know sin. We will be without sin. Bible also says we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted with confirmation. You know what I'm talking about? The, the earnest of the Spirit. That God has given us His Spirit. It's, it's a down payment to our redemption. That, that although we struggle with our flesh, God's given us His Holy Spirit, and He sealed us to the day of redemption. Christ is what made us accepted. You know, the Greek word for accepted here, I don't know if I'm saying it completely properly, but it's something along the um, lines of Caritio, Caritio. Okay, there's eight Greek scholars in here. Go ahead, you can correct me after services. But the word means to a due of special honor, to be highly favored. It's actually the same word used in Luke one to say to speak of Mary being highly favored. In Luke one twenty eight, the Bible says, and the angel came in unto her and said, Know thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Many, the Catholic Church in particular, and then some in the Anglican Church, the um, Orthodox Church, look to Mary basically as deity because she's the mother of Jesus and because she is called highly favored. We you know the Bible says about Mary, says it says she rejoiced in God her Savior. Mary needed a Savior just like we need a Savior. God just had chosen Mary. She was highly favored, and he chose her to be that vehicle that the Messiah would put on flesh. But you know what that same word, the 
and that is for accepted is the one for highly favored. And the Bible teaches us that we are accepted as same as Mary is, in a sense, when we trust Christ as Savior. That we're highly favored. That we are beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. You know, in Mark 3.17, the Bible says, and to a voice from heaven saying, this is Low a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, the Father said that during the Mount Transfiguration and in the baptism of Jesus. That this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then when we are found in Christ, the Bible says we are joined ears with Christ. So, you know, we are chosen. Again, speaks of our current condition in Christ. We are predestinated that one day we will be completely conformed to the image of Christ, and we are accepted in the beloved. May we remember those riches that we have in Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he that he through his poverty might be rich. So my question to you is, are you enjoying your standing in Christ? Are you rejoicing in your standing in Christ? <coughs> that you're chosen, that you're predestined, that you're accepted in the beloved. Now remember that when you maybe have bouts of loneliness, that you are accepted in the beloved, and that's really all that matters. And you're saying, you know, it's nice to have friends, you know, and God's development, that's God's creating that. We you know anything about those that, you know, through persecution and are thrown in prison and they're, they're lonely, but they have Christ to cling on to. That He's the only one that really enables them to really get through and still have joy. It may be in the most trying of circumstances. But enjoy your standing, the riches you have in Christ. You know, perhaps in the morning as the sunlight opens your eyes, our thoughts should be, yeah, a child of God. No matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to me financially, I'm a child of the King. And He owns cattle on a thousand hills is the song says and he owns the hills as well oh the blessings the riches we have in Christ that we've been chosen by him to be a member of this family and God wants to extend that invitation broader the Bible says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins but not for ours only but also the sins of the whole world. They you know, he bore the wrath for the sins of the whole world. And so he wants to adopt them into his family. And the Bible says we become the children of God by faith. Faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Chosen to be a member of his family. His peace, his joy, his love are our legacy. It's our inheritance that we can draw upon these riches every moment of every day, 
no matter what our circumstances are. We do not need to live a life of defeat and sin, that we can't live victoriously as a Christian, that we can't live a holy life, we can't be blameless, we can't have a good testimony. We said we need to walk in the Spirit. Another story is told about an old Navajo Indian who became rich when oil was found on his property. He took all the money and he put it in the bank. His banker became familiar with the habits of the old gentleman. He would always want to come in and count the money. Um, and every so often, he'd show up. And, and, and he would first he would show up to the banker, kind of all depressed, and say, Grass all gone, sheep all sick, water holes all dry. Without a word, the banker would simply take him to his vault, show him several bags of silver dollars, and say, all this is here. And then the old man would spend about an hour stacking up the dollars and counting them. Then he'd return the bags to their places, come out of the vault and say, grass all green, sheep all well, water rolls all full. And now, that should not be our heart as far as on material wealth. The Bible says if God's given you an increase in riches, okay, you know the Bible does say the power to gain wealth is from on high, but the Bible says set not your heart upon them. You know, because they could just be, as the Bible says, riches take themselves as wings of eagles and fly away. The Bible says be not hasty to be rich. He says hasty to be rich shall not be innocent. Now, nowhere does the Bible condemn being rich. You know, the Bible talks about Job was the richest man in the East. You see, Abraham and all the lands and the cattle that he had. You see that God has blessed and used very, uh, many wealthy people throughout the scriptures. So the curse was never in having wealth. The curse is when we set our heart upon the wealth. But may we, in a way, have the mindset of this Indian in counting the riches we have in Christ, the spiritual blessings, that you are chosen in Christ, that you are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, that he seeks to answer prayer, that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Count those. You know, when you're going through a hard time, count those blessings. Name them one by one. It's amazing the change that will come over us when we simply review our resources and count the blessings that we have. That's where true encouragement is found. An honest accounting of the Father's limitless resources and blessings made available in Christ. You know, the Bible talks about in our eyes off the earthly and on the heavenly. And then your joy can be there. Let's go ahead and stand for a time of invitation and um, some music plays. And just see God. I know we're all in different situations. Some of us maybe are in situations where we just seem like everything seems to be abounding materially. Others it maybe seems like it's being stripped away.
Some of us maybe feel like we're right in between, or maybe someone's going through a trial. Maybe you know a family member or yourself has cancer or some kind of sickness. And it can be hard. But when life is hard, look at the blessings you have in Christ. So our body is frail, gets weak, starts being in pain. You know what? One day this body is going to be made new. And we will be found in Christ. We will be like Christ with a new glorified body. We have a God that cares for us. You know, the Bible says that. Even with the temptations that come our way, he gives us a way to escape. This morning, for our invitation, so you would just seek the Lord and ponder the blessings you have. You know, everyone's different. You know, some of you maybe be walking in your children and be like, man, you're a great legacy. A spiritual legacy, you love the Lord. Growing, God's prospering them. Others, maybe your children aren't doing so well and they grieve your past. But know you can rejoice to God. And for us, they're still alive. And there's still time for them to come to Christ or come back to Christ. Pray for them. Just thank God for the blessings you have in your life. that you put in our life. You know, so often we could end up getting our eyes on the things of the world. We miss the blessings. The Lord, maybe this message help us in the future just to remember. You know, what blessing we have to be chosen, to be a child of God, to be predestined, to be conformed to your image. are accepted and to be loved in Christ. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in here that does not know you as their Savior, that they don't know if heaven would be their home or if hell would be where they would end up. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would come. Lord, come talk with us and that would show them through your word how they could have eternal life. Not through our works, not through their works, but through faith in Jesus your death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray, Lord, that there be more people that would be saved. Lord, help us this week to be a witness, to evangelize, and um, throughout the weekend and on Saturday as well.
come, evangelize, and invite people to church. Um, come to this Saturday at 11 o'clock and invite um, our neighbors, our friends, our family to um, breakfast and just pray, Lord, that we could um, maybe be the first time they would hear the gospel by coming to church next Sunday. Or maybe there's just a part of your shape. They're, they're redeemed or saved, but they've been out of church and they've just been out of the fold and it's been longer and just need to be regathered back to the fold. Lord, may you use us.